It takes more than buying all the domain names and not doing anything with any of them to be a great engineer. <laughs> this is episode 178 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software developers about non-technical topics and buying all the domains. That's just a step in the engineering career ladder, isn't it? <laughs> what, buying domains? It's a mark of maturity. Like the number of unused domains you have sitting around? Yeah, it's how long you've been around, <laughs> how many cool ideas you've had that you're never going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. I have been owning a domain coming up on 20 years. I think next Holy year, cow. Maybe I'm two years out. What happens? This is going to get morbid. What happens to your domains when you die? Hmm. Do, do people just pass on ownership of them? Well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> I'll set it up in my will, Dave. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll establish a, a trust to fund the, the renewal. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just like have this bill you have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get all your unused domains and I will care for them carefully over the next... Pass them on to your children. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to our wonderful patrons who are supporting the show. Thank you to Matthew Vojtovich, the Agile Ventures charity, Ted Nugent, Crash Bandicoot, Zach Granin. This engineer goes up to 11. Luis Santos, Nick Cantar, Vinlock, Taras, Karuk. Sean, Sunny Tai, Dimitri Jansen, Brittany Ellick, Florian Tatzel, Sonic the Hedgehog, Ivor Robotnik, Murray Rousseau, Chris Hogan, and Stanley Tactical Radio. Thank you to all those folks who are supporting us at the level where we shout them out every week. And thank you to everyone else who's supporting the show. If you want to support us, go to our website, softskills.audio, and click support us on Patreon. You will get an invite to our wonderful Slack community. We have a special treat this week. Yeah. We recorded a live show a couple weeks ago at the wonderful Utah JS conference. It was a great event. It was a cool venue. It's in a movie theater. So we're sitting at the bottom in front of a giant screen yep. where normally I watch Tom Cruise jump off of tall things. <laughs> and instead, it's Dave and I. <laughs> Just sitting there. Talking about soft skills. Not jumping off anything. <laughs> yeah. Sitting on short things on chairs <laughs> the audio isn't super great but the content is just wonderful and more than makes up for it so sorry about the audio you're welcome for the good advice so without further ado we bring you episode 178 recorded live at utah js i want to introduce jameson dance and myself we are hosts of a podcast called the soft skills engineering podcast uh, where we believe it takes more than great code to be a great engineer has anyone here listened to this podcast? Okay, I see no hands. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. So there was a last minute cancellation for this session, so we decided to step in and do a Q&A session. If you've listened to the show, you know that our style is we take a question that was written in by a listener, and then Jameson and I answer it very badly. But usually, Jameson says a lot of funny stuff, too, and wise stuff. So what we're going to do today is we're going to start with a question that someone wrote in. We will answer it live. You can see the sausage making in real time. I'm going to play some dubstep by turning my mic on. Every time I do, it drops the bass. <laughs> can we make that not happen? Oh, I thought that was a feature. Yeah, can, uh, can we drop the voice? Wow. So let me, let, me just in, let me introduce us first for those of you that don't know. My name is Dave Smith. I'm a software engineer at Amazon. I work on Alexa. This is Jameson Dance. I'm a software engineer at Walmart Labs. I work on Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> he built Walmart. Yeah, all of it. All uh, of it. Okay, so can I make a request first? So for, for everyone that's not here but listening to the recording, there are thousands of people here. Uh, okay, now stop listening. Can you all move down to the front a little bit? <laughs> This is a very big room, and everyone's real spread out, and it's, it's like 
a little disconcerting. End of a very lopsided football game type of energy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we want, like, end of a very intense football game energy. Because <laughs> football is what we're all about, we are, as you can tell. We're way into the sports yeah. here, into the, into the football. <laughs> so, so we want this to be an interactive session. Do we want to poll for questions first, or do we, do we want to let's, answer a Let's pre, just seed the one, a pre, seed one, and then, yeah. All right, cool. I'm going to read it. Thank you for moving, by the way. That makes me feel better. And I hope it makes you feel better, by extension. This just soothes your desire to control masses of people. <laughs> see if they'll follow your instructions. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could say everyone move back apart and then... Yeah, now go back to where you were. No. <laughs> this is just an exercise. All right, I'll read the question. One of my coworkers never does their job on time and always postpones things. We are both leaders in the company. Especially when we depend on each other, it becomes really difficult. I tried many things like taking over their tasks, reminding them in person and in Slack, escalating to their manager, etc. None of these have worked. As a different strategy, I organized a workshop with leaders to brainstorm how to collaborate and work together. That was all really positive. We talked about each other's responsibilities. This person was active in the workshop, contributed, and also agreed on many things. I felt really positive after this. But then shortly after, I ended up with frustration again. Nothing actually changed. Agreeing is easy, but taking action is not. Please give me recommendations other than quitting my job or waiting for this person to quit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, restating the problem. This person swoops in and does this other person's job for them. <laughs> <laughs> they, the, the other person procrastinates. Okay. And they've tried everything. They've tried bugging them and starting a workshop. And none of those <laughs> have worked. <laughs> like, what else is there? You did the workshop. That's the go-to, usually. We... Yeah, I wonder how much money that workshop cost. Like, <laughs> for all the, comp all the company's time, it was probably like thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, right? I think singing telegrams is an option. <laughs> 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 Try to get a barbershop quartet so to you mean sing, like... like like singing a song to them to say, please stop do procrastinating. Your <laughs> <laughs> do your job so I don't have to do it for yeah. you. Yeah. But in like perfect harmony. Yeah, as we did just <laughs> now. I mean, there's a missing step here between <laughs> bugging them on Slack to do their thing and organizing a workshop. I feel like there's a step that's like maybe talk with them about it. <laughs> I just love the idea of like, that's the most passive aggressive way I can think of to like, Maybe there's a problem and Utah Jazz is the solution to one of the organizer's problem. There's like one other organizer that they're like, I don't think you know how to write code very well. Let's, let's solve this problem. Let's make a conference. Yeah, let's make a conference. <laughs> and then maybe you should attend this specific talk. Actually, what, yeah, what you don't know is that the keynote talk that we just had was because I, I have obsessed too much on writing, getting high unit test coverage. Okay. So Ken <laughs> Snyder organized this whole conference just to make me know that that was a It really kind of, pricked you. It yeah, got you. It got me right in the heart. Yeah. So what should they do? <sighs> I don't know. Have you ever been the coworker that procrastinates and other people swoop in and do, does your job? No one swooped in. I just procrastinated. <laughs> <laughs> have, yeah, other people have swooped in sometimes. I've swooped in too. I've been a swooper. Okay. How did it feel when someone swooped in and you, you were the swoopy? I, I actually don't think that's ever happened to me okay. that I can remember. I feel like I'm usually swooping. You're the swooper. Yeah, and it feels great sometimes. <laughs> like you're rescuing <laughs> to disasters, do and yeah, and it's like you get to be the cool guy that doesn't look at explosions. You get to like walk out, walk away the, cool yeah, while there's exactly. an explosion in behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're in like slow motion walk. Yeah, slow motion walk away after you hit enter on the keyboard, and <laughs> you just like <laughs> you have to have like an explosion reaction GIF in the pull request or something. <laughs> Yeah, what, what would you do? I, it does feel like they haven't addressed it directly at all. Yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of... Well, I mean, talk to them via Slack. 
Like, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you talk to me via Slack several times a week, and I read it once a week when we record <laughs> the show. <laughs> so <laughs> that doesn't always work. Super also, there, there's a difference between approaching someone and saying this task is late, yeah, and approaching someone and saying you are a serial procrastinator and it is causing problems to our working relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hey, can you do this thing that's late? Yeah, which right. is addressing the underlying problem. Exactly. Like, if you treat the symptom here, which is every project, then I think you'll never... They may not even know there's a problem. <laughs> they may. This may be a solution to them. They're like, <laughs> this is great. I don't have to do my work, and every once in a while I get a slack, and I ignore it, and then the work gets done. <laughs> the slack is the signal that soon my work will be done. That's right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the microwave dinging after you... Like microwave a burrito or something. Every time I get this message, I know that within 24 hours, my problem is solved. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe you should step back and say, am I actually enabling this bad behavior? Oh, that's a good point. What if the microwave never dings? <laughs> the food just burns. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps cooking. Both leaders in the company, when we depend on it. So when we depend on each other, that's where it gets tricky. If it's just their own project, then you can yeah. say, good luck my friend, and, and, and leave them to flounder. But if it's a project that you're on, too, like, you're going to fail, too. Right. You go down with them. Yeah, and it doesn't, it's not great to be like, yeah, we failed, but we failed together. they didn't do anything either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you can both be standing in the unemployment line together. Yeah. <laughs> I think you would stand in the line for them because they would procrastinate. Yeah, they were like, oh, I'm late. Can you, can you hold yeah. my spot in line? <laughs> Yeah. So when I set out on a project that involves multiple teams or multiple leaders who depend, there's a dependency relationship, I think it's super important at the beginning of that project to establish what are the mechanisms that we're going to use to report status and, and make sure that we're both on track. And then you get agreement up front so that when you show up later and you're like, hey, is that thing done yet? It's not just you being annoying and feeling like you need to swoop in and fix it, but rather we agreed on this process for sharing status with each other, and we agreed that we would meet these milestones, and you probably need some kind of agreement that says, if we fail to meet a milestone, here's the mitigation process, right? Like, we're going to reconvene, or we're going to have some escalation, or, you know, we're going to do something so that failure is called out early, and both teams can actually collaborate and work through the failure instead of one team shouldering all the burden. It feels like there's two solutions. One is the visibility solution. So you make it clear that like you're doing fine and the other team or the other, other person is not. And that doesn't make the product work, but it at least solves this problem of blame a little bit. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it kind of works. But you're talking about solving the underlying problem of not just making it clear like our stuff is all green and your stuff is all red, but maybe, maybe signal earlier so you yeah. know before it's too late that, that they're not going to make it and you need to pitch in. Exactly. Of course, then, then you have the problem, which I've seen at some companies, where you have this status reporting, right, green and red, mm -hmm. and it's like every team on the project is green yep. until the and day it's before it's due, yep. and then it's like, now we're all red. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> why, why did we just figure this out? I don't know. Stuff just comes up at the last <laughs> six months. Well, we started working. Sudden, yeah. <laughs> No one likes to be the red team. Yeah. It does feel like if this is a chronic problem that's, that's not going to change, I, I do feel like you need to have a very clear conversation that you might not have had yet. But if it doesn't change, you do start to need to report it at least. So if you are covering for them all the time, someone should know that, and that should reflect in their performance. Like that's not what you want out of an employee. You don't want, the company does want one employee doing two people's job. 
so that they can only pay one employee. <laughs> That's right. But they're paying two people when they could only be paying one person to do oh. two people's job. It's, it's, not, it's not great for them. Okay. What you don't want to have happen is like, oh, that's the team that always has disasters, and the disasters are you covering for this other team. Like you want to be, you want to be known as the swooper for good cause, like the Berlin airlift, <laughs> the candy bomber. I'm really reaching. <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't they drop food off in Berlin? Yeah, that was a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, those were swoopers for a good cause. Be like that. They, they literally swooped. Yeah, they did. Like yeah. with an airplane. Yeah, they push. Packages full of completed code out of the back of the airplane and <laughs> parachute down. Uh, well, have we answered the question? I do want to go into one more thing, which is the, the listener said they tried to escalate, but nothing happened. And now I wonder if maybe the manager is also a procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything, and it seems to be fine still. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. what was the outcome of that conversation? You know? And I wonder if the escalation was task-based or problem-based. Mm, like was, this task got escalated. Yeah, yeah. They didn't do this one thing, and then they solved that problem, but, but they didn't escalate, hey, this happens regularly. I mean, to me, this is like, I think that this is something you would probably not, probably no one would feel comfortable doing this, but especially you, Jameson, because <laughs> you're very conflict-averse. But like, to me, and maybe this has changed about you, but... To me, We're I would here say, in person. I can like stand up and get in your face. That's true. We can demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> I think nothing is going to move this boulder out of the way. Like walking up to that person and in a very professional, calm manner telling them, your behavior is causing problems to our working dynamic by virtue of you not taking ownership of the things that you own, shipping yeah. them late, not reporting failures. And my team is having to cover for that. And it's making it so that we're unable to deliver on our commitments as well. Yeah. What can we do to fix this? You know, and I mean, that's going to hit them like a ton of bricks. I have a hypothesis that I'm going to assume is correct because we have no way of <laughs> knowing what's actually going on. I bet that this other person is super overloaded and you're mm. the, the thing that they've chosen to drop. Like, because you're really good at covering. Yeah, yeah. They have like <laughs> 10 projects all on fire and your fires go out by themselves. So like, <laughs> now they have nine fires. Um, so it, it could be. be kind of a case of like a squeaky wheel thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, where you're you're not their biggest problem, so they're okay. So you're not squeaky enough. Yeah, and that is a case for escalation too. Where if they're too overloaded to do all their commitments, then that's where a manager can help balance those commitments and say like, you need to drop this one so that you have more time to focus without procrastinating. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now we've answered the question. Good. Cool. All right. Now this is the point in the show where the audience has to clap and make it sound like there's a thousand of you here. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh my good. ears, it's so loud. Oh, it's so people. loud. Oh. The energy is just oh, deafening. Man. Whoa, put us down. We're done crowd surfing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Does anyone have a question they want us to answer? A real live question, yeah. I just have an initial question. So you, you look at Amazon and Walmart, are you both remote employees? Yes. Yeah, the question was, are we both remote employees? And the answer is yes, we are. Okay, so I am a Bay Area refugee. So I don't know now. Okay. So how do you guys, I just, I mean, this is too generic. But like, what strategies do you guys have for remote versus dealing with problems? Maybe related to that. Okay. So the question is, as uh, someone who is also remote, how do you manage being remote, communicating with coworkers, resolving issues with coworkers from a distance? Are you remote for a Bay Area company? Yeah. Okay. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so I started working remotely about one year ago. I expected it to be completely terrible, and it has turned out to actually be pretty great. And one of the things that I've done to make it work is 
all of the things that happen organically in an office when you're all together, like, I'll just give you a few examples. When you go out to lunch, people know that you went out to lunch because they saw you stand up and walk away from your computer, put on your, your jacket, and go outside, right? Or things like impromptu conversations when you're just chatting with someone in the hall, you happen to bump into them, and you say, hey, how's this thing going? And you have five minutes together, and you get up to speed with them. Those kinds of things do not happen without extra effort when you're remote. So I've created mechanisms that make those things happen, including scheduling time on people's calendars to have video conferences just with me for like 30 minutes every week or every two weeks with individuals. And, and some people I do two a week. How do you pitch that? Is it like a sweepstakes email where you're like, you win. <laughs> won the chance <laughs> to have a meeting with me? Like, what do you say to them? Actually, I say that. Oh, <laughs> okay. You're in seat. One, because there's only one seat at your desk. You won the raffle. You won. Well, I work for a company whose culture is to have one-on-ones anyway, even for people who are in the same office. So for me, it was easy. I just continued that okay. same culture. But I've also worked for startups. where I used to work for a startup, and we hired someone who worked at Google. And apparently, Google has this one-on-one culture as well. And they set up a one-on-one with me, and I was like, uh, this is weird. You're not my boss. Like, like, you can't what tell me it? what to do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it was awkward for in that situation. But I think if you can couch it in terms of, hey, I'm remote, which means I don't get a lot of these FaceTime, and just describe the problem that we just described, I think people will understand. What, are, do, you, what do you do? Are you remote where everyone else is in person? Uh, yeah, well, we have a few. A few, so. Okay. You're in a bad spot. That's the summary. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was uh, mostly in person, but there's a few remote. That's, that's hard mode. Uh, my team is fully remote, so we're all forced to do all the remote things. Like communication is, is written mostly because it's easier to review, lots of video conferences. But it's easy to get forgotten when you're the only or one of the few remote people. Yeah. It's just a lot more work on your part. I think remote in general is more, maybe not more work, but different work. But remote, when everyone else is in person, is like totally more work. Just take all the time you would have spent commuting and use that to manage your remote relationships. <laughs> I take the time I would have spent commuting and use it to like compose songs about how I don't have to commute, and then I send that <laughs> to all the in-person people <laughs> to listen to on their commute. That um, album will be dropping next week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think. So I worked on an in-person team where there was one remote person, and he was very good at nagging us to not forget him because we did all the time. <laughs> like meetings regularly happened that he just like couldn't hear because no one's mic was on or he didn't even know about. He would push for kind of like written design documentation, which helped a lot, or using some diagramming tool instead of just writing on the whiteboard. He also did kind of what you talked about where he pushed more to have explicit relationships with people because they don't develop organically. I think it can be. Remote is like a really good life choice, but it it might have some career trade-offs because you, you aren't, you're not top of mind to people in the, in the middle of the office as much, so you need to do things that get you there, both so that you have information and that you're contributing kind of ad hoc stuff. If you just want to like sit in a cave and take Jira tickets under the, de under the table, or not under the table, like slip them under the door, yep. <laughs> and then you slip back out the pull request, um, remote is, is really good for that, but you might like, do a Jira ticket and find out later that it was wrong or closed or old or, or whatever. So I, I guess the short summary is there's just a lot of burden on you pushing information out and pulling information in instead of getting it. I don't know, what, what kind of like stand-up or status communication stuff do you have? Yeah, we, we, do, we do daily stand-ups. Uh -huh. 
sometimes Slack, sometimes video calls. Okay. So if you're doing Slack, the good news is you can probably replace yourself with a Slack bot and then just go hang out on the beach. <laughs> no one will be the wiser. That's true. We didn't cover the, what do you do if you're remote and everyone else is in the office? And the answer is play video games. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And not work. Cool. We have like two minutes left. Does anyone else have a quick question that we, they'd like to ask? Yeah, go ahead. What do you think the pros and cons for like uh, more company-wide, like a much wider scale of going remote work? And you think that's the way that most companies are going to have in the future, most tech companies? What are the pros and cons of going mostly remote or all remote, and are people headed that way? I have no idea, and I have no idea. <laughs> Those are my two answers. Pros are it's generally cheaper for them, and it's easier to recruit and hire. There are some potential pros around the, it's kind of like a forcing function to make you communicate in, in a distributed way. And if you don't do that, then you fail. So like, if you survive, then you communicate well. The cons are it's hard to do that, and lots of people don't. You miss some of the shared camaraderie that you get just by being in person. The culture is different, and some people might think it's worse. And there are certainly some people who will, will hate working remote and will never work for your company. So there's some trade-offs. Do I think it's going to happen? I think it's going to happen more than it does now, but I think there will still be plenty of companies that choose like, to plant a flag in the ground to say, we're in person, yeah. and we all have office dogs, and like, that's a thing you can't do. <laughs> remote, or, like, there's, there's stuff you can do in an office you can't do remote, and that'll be important to some people but I won't be one of them. So you're not going to make like a predict, a verifiable prediction that we can come back in two years and say you were wrong? You can just say that. Okay. Already. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to have a number like 47% of companies will be all remote by 2023. I think you just made a prediction. Oh, crap. <laughs> and I will hold you to it. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody.